Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the DC Podcast. Yeah. We pulled it off. We did a number two. Yes. And if you're just tuning in, you can expect a lot more of We're that. We're also having a second episode. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Uh, second episode back. Yeah. Uh, you you decided you had a kind of an interesting topic you wanted to focus on today. Yeah. This is just kind of a one-off thing. If you've been paying attention to our podcast for a while, as tens of people are, then you know that we tend to do series, right? Like we did a justice series. We did a, a, um, a prosperity gospel series. Um, we're going to get into a series after this episode, I think, on stuff that could be kind of controversial. Yep. Not not aiming for controversy. Well, just kind of feel like... It is controversial. Yeah, it is and controversial. we want to help Christians and pastors think through yeah. a lot of those issues. Any way that we can. But let's just, we're going to do a one-off episode... And we're going to talk today about kingdom building. Okay. But not not kingdom building in the sense that you can actually build the kingdom, because that's theologically incorrect. And we're not going to talk about kingdom building and like this is the kind of work that, that Jesus has called us to as a church. We're going to talk about the bad kind of kingdom building. Mm. And even then you can kind of parse it out, right? But yeah. uh, we're going to talk about guys, and I guess in some circles, gals, uh, who use the ministry the ministry mm -hmm. as a platform to build their own kingdom. Okay. Uh, before we do, yeah, we have a guest in the room. Are we going to talk about him? I feel like we should. His name is Tad Flanagan. Yeah. Hey, Tad. And Hello. member of our church. Yeah. Member, my, at least my member church. Member of your church. Yeah. Not Jesus's church. Thanks for rubbing that in. No doubt. And uh, so if you hear any typing in the corner, yeah. that's him. We may ask him a question or two. Any heavy breathing. See if he has any questions. Yeah. We might just go to Tim. Yeah. And Tim, then, Tim is his real name. That's right. <laughs> we'll send you his address and uh, email information later. All right. So kingdom building. Kingdom, kingdom building. Okay. So why are we talking about this? Well, obviously I was watching There Will Be Blood the other night. One of the five greatest movies ever made. Do you agree? Oh, it's wonderful. Okay. Uh, and what's so profound, there's a lot of profound things about this movie, but it's a competition between Daniel Plainview, the oil man, and that's what he calls himself, and Eli. A young man from the city or the town where uh, Daniel Plainview wants to erect an, uh, uh, an oil, uh, what's that called? An oil thing? An oil rig. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And, and, uh, and, and it's really a competition between greed and religion. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, Daniel is trying to build his own kingdom. And he's trying to use the blood to build his kingdom as well. But his blood is oil. Okay, he wants to suck it all out of the ground. And he wants to use as much of it as he can to build his own little kingdom. He's got a competition in him, which means that he hates everyone else and wants to see them lose. He wants their kingdoms to be small mm -hmm. and shabby and sucky. And he wants his kingdom to, can I say sucky? He wants his kingdom to be big and massive and glorious. And then you have Eli, who pretends to be about the people. And, and to be. And Eli, if you, if you haven't seen the yeah. film, is like a... He's like your classic revivalistic itinerant preacher. Oh yeah, fire and brimstone, emotional, performative sermons. It's, yeah, yeah. And he wants his own following. Yeah, he does, and he tries to control Daniel throughout the whole movie. He tries to assert his dominance, and in what he views in Daniel coming to his town is an opportunity 
for him to latch on and use him as a means of building his own kingdom. Mm-hmm. So you see this in the in the early scenes where they're talking about money for buying his father's land. And he asked for $10,000. Why? Well, so that he can build a church. Yeah. Well, isn't that kind of him? Isn't that great? He wants to build a church for his people, right? As somebody who may in the future be needing a church building <laughs> and a lot of money in order to do that, I can very much appreciate him trying to, you know. But what he's doing there is uh, he, he, he doesn't care about building a place that will allow the gospel to flourish in that city, right. in that town. He cares about building a place for him to have an increased presence and platform and mm. rule and dominion. Uh, and you see it unfold throughout the entire rest of the movie yep. um, until it comes to a very dramatic end, which I won't ruin for people who may not have seen it. Um, and when I, when I watched it again recently, I just thought, you know, uh, both of these men are despicable. Okay. They're both horrendously, morally there's compromised. No, there are no heroes in this film. No, no, yeah. no. no. <laughs> That's right. Um, and if, when you see the end, you'll know that especially. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that we have to say that Eli is worse because Daniel, he, he tries to pretend like he wants to help people. He tells the townspeople, we'll build a school for you and this is going to be good, so on and so forth. But in a very real sense, he's not pretending mm-hmm. to want to build his kingdom. He wants to be in control. Everybody knows he wants to be in control. And it's, yeah, what would you expect from an oil man, right? Yeah. Of course, it's obvious. But Eli uh, is trying to do all of this under the guise of religion. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to be worse. And so when I'm thinking about that, uh, and I think about some young men that I've come across, and maybe even tendencies in my own heart, right? I guess if you dig deep enough, there's yep. to continue the oil metaphor, if you dig deep enough... They're all, anyways. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but really though, I've I've come to come I've come across, and you have too, I'm sure. Without a doubt. Yeah, guys who, the more you get to know them, the more you're like, yeah, man, I don't know if if you really mean this or if you're just kind of trying to use the church, or this this mechanism or that platform in order to just build your own little kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's super concerning because a lot of the times guys who do stuff like this are really talented. You know, they're great communicators. They're they have all their all their theological ducks in a row. They're organizationally adept in a way that you and I will never understand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and because of that, and most of the time they're good looking with a nice smile. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they dress well. And they dress on so top. What, well, pause. Okay, none of the things that you just said are inherently wrong. No, God does gift certain men. Yeah. with the ability to preach and teach and communicate and evangelize uh, that are clearly and profoundly uh, better than others. Yeah. there's. I mean, you, you see Paul talking about the brother who is famous for his preaching of the gospel. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Notice he doesn't say his name. I do notice that. Mm. Yeah. You know, some people have this many talents, that many talents, that many talents. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm not concerned about a brother being very talented uh, or, you know, I, I want all the, you would want all of those things right in a guy, but I am concerned when you can begin to smell it on them that they're using these things as a means to an end. I mean, yeah. So yeah. it's, so it's not the talents, the abilities, uh, or even really the, the reception someone receives. We're talking about a, a posture of the heart. That's right. That's concerning. And that makes it hard to see. It makes it very difficult to see. Yeah. So what the, the thing that I kind of correlate it to is. Uh, in First Peter, mm-hmm. where Peter's talking about uh, qualifications for an elder, he then says an elder must not lord his authority over the flock, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
And, uh, man, that's really hard to see, you know, it, there's, there's, I mean, I'm sure that you, the proverbial, you probably have had an experience out there where, you know, you saw a pastor do that explicitly, like in a members meeting and you just be like, boom, that's it. But a lot of the times, I would say most of the time, uh, lording your authority over the flock is not something that you see in a one-off instance. It's something that you see over the course of like years. Yeah. It's a steady pattern. Yeah. Of just of just one too many times seeing questionable yeah. decisions, yeah. Uh, questionable behaviors that that yeah. that paint a picture of someone yeah. who's taking it all together, lording his authority yeah. over the flock in a way that's ungodly. Yeah, an example of that would be Mark Driscoll. Uh, you know, regardless of where he is now and kind of whatever craziness he's saying, you know, for a number. Now I say this because I was a member of his church mm-hmm. um, way back when. For a number of years, different guys would say like, "Man, that dude is abusing authority." But they didn't have like this one instance that they could point to and say, ah, see, this is why we should remove him. Right. What it took was a decade of abusive leadership to finally culminate, culminate in like an, uh, a big enough hoop, hoopla so that everybody finally said, okay, it's clear. But by the time you got there, everything fell apart. Well, and, and I think honestly that's a, that's a verdict about how long that judgment took them to make yeah. that perhaps it should have been made sooner. I agree but with your, that as well. But your point yeah. is still, I think really important, Sure. which is that we want to be cautious and charitable anytime we're assessing something that is so hard to discern with yeah. outward actions. Yeah. Uh, like it's much easier for me to identify someone who's an adulterer than yeah. it is someone who is just sinfully prideful. Sure. It's harder to see both are sins, both are sins, yeah. both, both will send you to hell. Yeah, uh, and yet it's it's not as clear from one yeah. specific action that that's that that sin of pride is so prevalent in someone that that something needs to be done. Yeah, great point. And you could even get to the point where you excommunicate someone out of pride, but it'll probably express not itself. out of pride, it'll be, because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because they're right. prideful. Because they're prideful. Right. Okay. Um, you know. Uh, well, let the, me. Can I pause you? Again? Yeah. Go ahead, man. So Paul talks about at one point. Uh, there are people who will preach the gospel for selfish gain. Sure. And he actually says, yeah, yeah maybe they're doing that, yeah. but the gospel is still being preached. Yeah. I thank them for that. That's right. Uh, anyone who's listening to this, who's yeah. a careful student of scripture might recognize that. And they might be tempted to say, well, who, what does it matter as mm. long as the gospel is being preached? Yeah. I know what I would say to that. Sure. Uh, I would say that just because the gospel is being preached, just because God can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick right. does not mean we should model that. And in fact, we should still continue to try and be faithful. Absolutely. Um, and we should still look out for shepherds who are doing exactly what you're talking about, trying yeah. to build their own kingdom. Yeah. Especially when you are a member of a church that's doing that. Yeah. If it's somebody else's church, there's not much you can do. Yeah. I, there's still some some ways why you... There, there, are two, there are two reasons why I think even though what Paul said... <laughs> It's true. <laughs> There's still two reasons why I think this is a helpful category for us to have in our minds. Number one, it'll help you to think well about the kind of men that you give platforms to. Mm. Right. I mean, just think about if reform theology were the end all and be all of being a good pastor, uh, the kind of big Eva ref- reformed, young, restless, reformed uh, world would not be in the state of disarray that it is in now, right? right? There's right. obviously something else going on there. And part of what's going on there is that certain men were given platforms and positions that their character uh, should have disqualified them for, but it didn't happen that way. Yeah. And, I, and I think part of the reason why is because guys, when they could smell that on the other guy, didn't they didn't want to withhold that from them. They still platformed them because they thought, oh, they're so gifted. We can do this and we can do that. 
And I just want to say like, hey, listen, when you're trying as a younger guy myself, when you're thinking about who to hold up in the life of your own local church or uh, with your parachurch ministry and organization, who you would like to have be a guest preacher in your yeah. church. This is just a category you need to have in your mind uh, because you don't want to feed that. As a matter of fact, you want to do the opposite of that. You yeah. want to try to suck all the oxygen out of that as possible. You know, So I think that goes for your own church and like deciding who you're going to partner with. Amen. Yeah, and who you're going to platform, if I can use that language. Uh, dude, I'm so in tune with the culture right now. Um, you know, the thing is you can smell it on people. I was telling Tim who's sitting here in the corner. I was telling Tim earlier that, uh, when I've had conversations with people where I'm trying to change their mind about some particular doctrine, I can usually pretty quickly tell, uh, if it's going to go well or if it's not going to go well. And that's usually because I can smell on someone uh, a submission to God and his word and, mm-hmm. and the authority of, of revelation. And even if that means that they're embarrassed, if it means that they have to make sacrifices and say that they were wrong. And, you know, the thing that we've seen, things we've seen a hundred times, right? And we've experienced, right? Right. Um, you can smell that on someone. And you can also smell it on someone when they're not concerned at all with what scripture has to say. And mm-hmm when they just want to be right or they want to do what their dad did or whatever the case may be. I think the same thing is true here. You can, you can just smell it on guys, but that's not very helpful for our listeners, right? Just say like, watch out for those self-interested kingdom builders. And how do we recognize them, Sean? Well, you can just smell it on just them. Sniff them. It's like BO yep. of the spiritual variety. Okay. Well, let's give some hard core, hard core. No tangible, well, tangible concrete. There, there it is. Got there. Tactile. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Examples, illustrations, things that people can be pastors, but also just Christians in general can can be on the lookout for. So we we had a short phone call about doing this. Yeah, we did. So I have my list. Yeah. You have your list. Yeah, let's see. But we haven't compared lists. Okay. So we're going to do this category style. I still don't really know what that means. You you had a, a weird family upbringing. So yeah. probably not a lot of board games. Is here. it where your mom hits you in the corner? <laughs> so, no? so we're okay. going to, we're going to go down the list and, uh, and see which ones you got, okay. which ones I got and which ones we both got. Okay. All right. Ready? Yeah. Number one, an unwillingness okay. to share their platform. Um, so, so if a pastor okay. or and you may have just phrased this. Different. No, I've got something. Yeah. We'll okay. see. We'll see. So if there's a pastor or, or speaker who, who, just clings to the pa- the platform yeah. that he has. Yeah. Doesn't want to give it up. Doesn't want to share the pulpit with right. other men. Doesn't want to uh, give younger brothers in the faith who might be future yeah. leaders someday an opportunity to ex- to to sharpen their skills, yeah. preaching, teaching. Clinging to that is a warning sign yeah. that there's some personal kingdom building going on in my yeah. mind. It's it's like. Uh, I don't trust this to anyone else going back to God needs me. That's right. Going back to, uh, there will be blood as we, as I will do now and forevermore. Uh, Daniel Plainview has to be on site. He has to be present. He has to be there at the, he even makes that promise to the people in the city. He says like, you know, I'm the oil man who's going to be there with the oil rig. And there's a sense of pride there of like, if I'm not here, if I'm not controlling this every step of the way, the kingdom won't make it. Yep. 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 Okay, well, let's say the same thing, but from, maybe this is not on my notes, actually, but from the opposite angle, uh, somebody who's more than willing to give up their platform, but they do so strategically. Mm. I know that if I invite this person to preach, and if I have this person hosted on my blog, do people still blog? 
I think so. Okay. And if I have this person as a guest on my, whatever, right? If I, I'm strategically using yeah. my platform because I know that I'm going to draw from this audience and this will make things okay with this world. And yeah. Yeah. So you, that. so using your platform, really getting other voices on it that are really just there to prop you up. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and yeah, po to make politicking. you look good. Yeah. Politicking. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, feeling threatened by other gospel laborers. So that's, kind of the same thing as what you were oh, saying? That's like one I have. Really? So okay. I, I put uh, treating local churches as your competition. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, we uh, we are letting a church plant uh, use our church buildings on Sunday nights. We just voted them in, and uh, they started meeting last Sunday. And, uh, you know, there shouldn't be any sense of competition there, right? There shouldn't be any sense of like, Hey, listen, if there's 55,000 people in the city, you can do good work. I can do good work. Now, we can have another conversation about how many churches need to be indicated. That's a, that's a fine conversation to have. But in my own heart and as elders in this church, because it's not just me building my platform. It could be the church, right? Are we in the church trying to build our own little kingdom? And I think one of the ways that you'll see that that's you'll see that evidenced is by people not wanting to like help other churches in right. the area. Well, and a lot of that mindset comes from the attractional philosophy of ministry that has imported all of these secular business principles into the way a church is run yeah. and starts to think in terms of marketing yep. and sales and numbers. And as soon as you start doing that, well, now the church down the street is your competition. Yeah, that's right. And you got to have more programs than them. You have to have better music than them. You have to draw in more people because that's yeah. how you get a bigger budget. That's yeah. how you grow faster. Yeah. And that is just so just carnal and wicked and yeah. antithetical to God's design for the church. So contrary to the spirit of brotherly love, working, being on the same team. Right. It's, like, it's like watching the six-year-olds play soccer and the two kids on the same team start fighting over the ball. Yes. Uh, I don't watch commie ball, but I'm trying to imagine that what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. I got your illustration. Thank you. No doubt. Um, I think we saw that role modeled really well. We were both members of CHBC. Mark would regularly pray for other churches, but more than that, they would even have a list on the front door of other healthy churches in the area. And they would just say, yeah, you know, go visit this church. They preach the same gospel that we do. They do it well. We think that you could be well served there. And it was genuine. It well, they, wasn't. Had, they had relationships with those pastors That's right. and with the members. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. You give me another one. Okay. There's two warnings. Uh, two? Are going to try to do a three? twofer? No, I'm saying oh, we've how many two. have we done? Okay. Yeah. yeah we've done like two. two. Okay. Here's another one. Uh, Self-branding. Yeah. So self-branding is... is uh, hot, hot iron right on the shoulder. That's right. Okay. So if you go out and just Google pastor self-branding, self-promotion... Yeah, it it's I think of that and I immediately think of it as a pejorative. Right. But there are people with blogs and services and, you know, advisors who are teaching pastors how to promote themselves, how yeah. to build their own platforms, yeah. how to become essentially social media influencers. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have some serious concerns about this, this whole concept of self-branding. Yeah. Um, I think the first concern is, number one, we have a finite amount of, of time and energy and resources. Okay. And as soon as we start pouring those things into pointing at me yeah. or directing people to me, yeah. that's time and energy and resources that I'm not directing them to the gospel sure. and to Christ. So that's kind of a functional stewardship issue. That's right. Basic stewardship. Number two, uh, I think that is pastorally 
I think that's literally the opposite of what the New Testament teaches a shepherd should be. Literally the opposite? Literally the opposite. Okay. So we are under shepherds, Mm -hmm. and we have a shepherd above us, Christ, and we are trying to shepherd our congregations by by pointing them to him. And this idea of, of pointing to oneself, building up one's own reputation and brand and identity in a very public way, whether it intends to or not, I think it communicates this idea that... So, so Paul in second Corinthians two asks rhetorically when he talks about the difficulties of ministry, he says, he asks who is sufficient for these things. We should all be teaching our congregations that we're not sufficient. Right. We need other pastors. We need the Holy spirit. Yeah. And that, that idea of self branding is basically just saying who's sufficient. Oh, I am. Check out my Instagram page. Yeah. Look how talented and gifted and wonderful I am. Look at how God's using me. And again, we want to, we want to be clear. I think that, God does gift yeah, people with sure. incredible abilities. Yeah. But we always have to remember that he does not need us. No. And in a heartbeat, he could take that ministry from us. We yeah. could we, we may not have another day. Yeah. And he could raise up any number of leaders, for, as Jesus says in Matthew 3, from the stones. Yeah. And he can find someone to replace you. Yeah. And so I think it's a misguided really just a misunderstanding of the role of the pastor. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's do a little let's do a little thought experiment here. Okay. You want to brand yourself. Okay. But but you say, I want to brand myself according to the scriptural mandates for requirements for a pastor and, and, and everything that goes along with it. Can you even just try to imagine branding yourself as being weak? <laughs> you know? So what, what does Paul say? Uh, you know, the wisdom of the world is... Yeah. is, is uh, is it first Corinthians where he says, yeah. I came to you without elegant speech. That's right. So right. yes. Yeah, so I'm poorly spoken. Yeah. I'm weak. Yeah. I'm insufficient. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a sinner. Yeah. I will let you the down. Chief of sinners. Yeah. yeah. I, I will not shepherd you perfectly all yeah. the time. That's my brand. I mean, come what does on. the logo look like for that? <laughs> just a, a, just a dude in the fetal like, position, <laughs> you know, balled up in the shower. That's you know? right. Yeah. Crying. Yeah. Cause let me tell you just as a pastor in a local church, I have to fight the temptation all the time to hide my brokenness. Mm. Like I, I, I feel the force of the way that American Christians and American pastors think about being a pastor, mm-hmm. being a leader. Right. And I feel the pull all the time to try to hide that, to try to hide my weaknesses and to show, to put my Instagram filtered version of myself out to my congregation. And brother, you've seen it as a member of our church, I deliberately do the opposite of that to kill that nerve. You know, I, I will tell the church, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Please be praying for me or, you know, any number of different things. Uh, and when I mess up, I make it a point to repent and to confess and say, Hey, I, I failed you here. Let me try again. You know, you just can't build a brand off of that. No, no. But what you can do is you can build a community of people who love each other and serve each other and who are committed to one another and who end up looking a lot more like Jesus than they would otherwise. That's right. Now, I think the last couple of things that we've talked about, uh, this will be my next thing. I think they just basically all fall under the heading of guys who are trying to build their own kingdom are attracted to the wisdom of the world, right? Paul spends the first couple of chapters of uh, first Corinthians contrasting the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of heaven. Okay. The wisdom of God, one comes through the spirit, one comes through the world. And uh, he's just clear that, you know, you can do things in such a way in ministry that a lot of people will look at and applaud. They'll call it success. And he says, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. You know, the, the Lord's judgment is like a fire. And one day it's going to come and it's going to burn through all these ministry platforms. Mm. And on that day, we'll see 
whose ministry is what. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, yeah, if you're a member of a church and you think, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. It seems like we're doing a lot of great things and blah, blah, blah. Just remember that, uh, the Lord is all discerning and one day he will reveal whether or not that ministry was actually worth anything. But if you're listening to this and you're like a young guy thinking about being an elder or, or anything along those lines, you know, just get it right from the beginning. Yeah. You know, resolve to not trust in the wisdom of this world because it will pull on you. You know, I felt it, you know, brother, I've even said this before to our church. I know that our church could be bigger than it is right now. You don't think that I know that? You know what I'm saying? All it takes is a little bit of worldly wisdom here, a little bit of worldly wisdom there, and we could have a hundred more people here on a Sunday morning. But what does that matter if on the last day the Lord's fire burns up my whole ministry and then all that's left is just ash, you know? Well, your last one was my last one. So well, then, I stole your thunder. Well, then I got thing. another one. So, so just to reiterate, this, this focus on numerical growth as the only metric for for judging success inevitably yeah. leads to to worldliness and trying yeah. to draw people in for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And as an individual, that may look like saying things that sound good, uh, wearing skinny jeans. You know, some of them are more benign than others. Why do you have to? <laughs> you don't have to bring up my skinny jeans. <laughs> Every time we get on here, yeah. Uh, but you're right. You could you could easily build a brand, build a reputation, build a platform that had hundreds of thousands of followers. All your posts get likes, uh, and and yet you don't necessarily have likes for the right reason. You're not yeah. necessarily leading anyone to to the faith or to deeper sanctification and growth. Yeah, that's right. Um, and when we see that done faithfully, uh, it's it's often the opposite of growth. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's right. That's true, man. Um, I have another one. Okay. Attracted to shiny things. So, what do I mean? You describing yourself? <laughs> I'm like a cat. I just you sh- shine something on the wall. I'm locked in. No. Uh, let me give you an example by way of contrast. Will Stevenson, member of our church, uh, pastoral assistant. Um, Will came to this church at the behest of one of our elders when there was no good reason for him to come. Right. There was like 17 people here. The church was dying, uh, and he walked away from his life in another city, came here to help. And then I came as the pastor, and he continued on with his internship. And when he was done with his internship, he could have left. And, uh, you know, he's a young guy, married to a young, beautiful, godly woman. Uh, the whole lives ahead of him, they could have gone anywhere, done anything. He's talented. He's smart. That's he, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he stuck around. You know, he got a not a, not a bad job, but not a great job. Uh, and he worked there for about a year just so that he could be a member of the church and serve faithfully. And, uh, then by God's grace, we, we ended up having some funds to hire him as a pastoral assistant. And, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to hire him is because I saw in him that he wasn't chasing shiny things. You know, he wasn't like, okay, what's my next opportunity? What's the next, where, where can I get on a platform? You know, who wants to host my article on their blog? Who wants to invite me to preach at their conference? No, he saw that the Lord was alive and well working in the life of this church. And he just said, okay, I see that. He saw, he honestly, he saw what was truly shiny, mm-hmm. you know, and he wasn't distracted by uh, lesser shines. Right. Now I'm stretching this, but you get the point. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of guy that I want to hire in the church, you know? Whereas like, if I can smell it on a guy that like, he's just kind of here because it's an opportunity and yeah, I get to learn some stuff and there'll be a paycheck. So that's nice, right? You got to eat. But like as soon as the next door opens where I can get a little bit more of an audience, I'm going to jump on that. 
Yeah, that's the kind of guy that I, I just don't want to really give a platform to. I don't want to give an opportunity to. I think that brother probably needs to be humbled a little bit more by the Lord before we, at least in our church, uh, use any of our resources. Any thoughts on that before I move on to the last one? Nope, good stuff. Gotta wrap, we gotta land this plane. Don't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. Also, who is my dad? <laughs> you know, it's playing I, Scrabble with some other kid right now. <laughs> our categories. Um, you know, when 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 you were a teenager and you were funky and musty and you didn't want to take a shower because that's what teenagers do, and uh, but you knew you couldn't go out smelling like butt. At least if you were me, you just you would spray on some Aspen <laughs> cologne to try to cover it up. You know what I'm talking about. Go take a shower. I don't want to. Axe body spray. Yep. Ksh, yep. Right. And you think, oh yeah, that, that, that works. works. I'm hiding it, right? And I just want to tell like young guys, like, you're not hiding it. You may think that you're hiding it. Um, but man, you whatever whatever that instinct is in you, I just want to encourage you to kill that nerve, to put that to death. Mm-hmm. Um because the the best ministry that you can have is going to be the kind of ministry where the person who disciples you and brings you up and does give you a platform is going to see that in you and not give it to you. So if you feel any of those which, temptations, which would be a kindness, a, a sweet kindness. Yeah, you know I've seen uh, uh, two Mark Dever references in one episode, but we were both discipled by him. Uh, I've seen Mark do that. I've mm-hmm. seen Mark not give an opportunity to a guy that I was like, what? He's so talented. So talented. Yeah. And look at that smile and look at that tush. He must do squats, you know? But you you, you, you look at this guy and you think, oh, this guy's a shoe in for the internship yep. or for this out of the third. And Mark brings some goofy, tall guy wearing khakis who, you know, kind of socially awkward. and. Yep. But then you get to know the guy and you're like, ah. I see. And right. then you get to know the other guy, the, the the flashy guy, the guy that you thought for sure was going to make it. And you get to know him a little bit deeper and you see, yeah, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, brother, when we build our own kingdoms, they are really bad kingdoms. <laughs> when I lived in Peru, uh, outside of the, the airport in Lima, there was a shanty town and it was pretty bad. And I think that when we build our kingdoms, we think they're going to be like these massive palaces, you know, gold encrusted and, you know, (laughs) dinosaur bone chandeliers. And it's going to be, you know, MTV Cribs, high level fanciness. But it it never goes like that. It always, you always smell like Axe body spray. You always end up with like a little shanty town. I mean, the guy who is ranting and raving on Facebook or the guy who's a pastor of a church with 12 people where no one cares what he has to say, uh, that that's 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 your destination if you're trying to build your own kingdom. Now, if you try to build your if you try to build the kingdom of the Lord according to his wise designs and purposes and I know that you can't actually build a kingdom God builds a kingdom, but just stay with me. Uh, you know, you may not have 500 people. You may not have 12, maybe you'll have 50. And it may not seem like much to the world. It may seem like a shanty town to the world, but you know that it's not. You see the spirit of God alive and well and active in the life of that church. And, uh, yeah, that's what we need to be aiming for. Amen. I can't think of anything else to say. Nope. Uh, any references, resources to give other than there will be blood? <laughs> then there will be blood. Yeah. Uh, I would encourage people to go watch some sermons from guys who have disqualified themselves. Yeah. That's and good. go see if you can't sniff it out. Yeah. I would recommend CJ Mahaney's humility. Oh, so good. Uh, and maybe Thoughts for Young Men. By J.C. Ryle? J.C. Ryle. Yeah. Though it's been a while since I've read that. I wonder if it's relevant. 
I'll, I'll breeze through it and see what I can put on the, the show notes for this. Charles Bridges, the Christian ministry. Nobody's, I mean, nobody's going to read that. Nobody. That's true. It's so good. It's so, <laughs> I dare you to read that. Yeah. I, I bet you, I bet you, you won't I bet read it. Someone, Mr. someone listening to this might try it. Yeah. Let's see how tough you are. We only read it because we were forced to. <laughs> that's, that's exactly and right. And we were so glad that we were. I'm so glad someone made me read that. That's book. right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening and, uh, we'll see you next and time. And we love you.